another movie night. Hello and welcome to Just Another Movie Night. We are Scott and Joe. That's Joe. Hi. I'm Scott. And uh, this is before and after reviews. We're going to be talking about some movies because we're catching up on the end of the year. We're seeing a bunch of films at once. So we're going to try to talk about a couple of them. And uh, I'm, I'm, we're going to start with one we just finished. Okay. Which was The Banshee of Inisherin. The Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. A 2022 movie starring Colin Farrell and Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. Colin's Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Uh, directed and written by the same director and writer of In Bruges. Martin McDonough. Yeah. Um, teaming up together again, the three of them, which is great. Uh, yeah, we just finished watching this, and I I'm sure we both have so many different thoughts and so many things we want to talk about with it. So let's just get into it. This is the first movie in a, a countdown of films we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, you want to start on this one, or do you want me to start? Well, I I um went into this not not looking into it at all, not knowing anything, and I think that they have a really a, a very brilliant movie here. I love it. I thought it was really good. I loved. Um, it was a little slow moving. So if you go into this thinking you're going to have something like in Bruges, it it's not like that. It's it's slower, slower moving. Well, in Bruges, kind of takes its time as well. It does, but this one's slower, if you can imagine. Um, it's more just like about um, the character development and everything. And there's so much in this movie that it kind of it kind of had me feeling like a lot of feels, like different <laughs> feels. You were very verb, um, like vocal during the film. I was very vocal simply because some things made me laugh, and some things made me gasp, and some things made me like want to cry. So it was a lot of feels. Yeah. And um, this movie isn't particularly a sad movie, but there are sad elements of it. I mean, it's pretty, there's a lot of sad elements, um, but it did kind of pull at my heartstrings a lot in different ways. And I thought this was very well acted. I thought it was very yeah, well acted. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was, I think that he, they have another, I, I think the collaboration here is is pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're a winning trio, the three of them. Without a doubt. 
So, um, yeah, this is a very, um, it's, um, very melodramatic and it, at, the cinematography is beautiful. I guess this was shot in Ireland. Yeah, without a doubt, it's and, gorgeous. Um, it's it's breathtaking. It's breathtaking. Um, and uh, I guess, do you want to do is tell them the synopsis or? Well, I mean, we're not going to do any spoilers or anything. No like spoilers. That. So just basically giving our thoughts of watching it, and then you know a review. Uh, if I had to say, this is like a brilliant metaphorical type of story that's really talking about not only the time but but of the constant that whole idea of how war is about how two groups of people could seemingly be peaceful and then everything turn against each other it's very proper to the time and the movie brilliantly does it because this takes place in where in the like the war of independence of ireland is happening yeah 1923 is the is the date which is also happening across the water from when the movie takes place which is a running theme throughout the film and it's really brilliant because the movie is literally about that the war of independence versus normalcy Mm -hmm. and it so brilliantly juggles that line of how this happens and why this happens it's one moment you can seem that you understand each other and the next minute it could just completely fall apart and just not even understanding why is this happening and this isn't just about that time period or that specific war or that specific struggle for independence or power or peace or freedom this kind of like is a perfect example of just how chaotic and absurd war is mm-hmm. or friendship the loss of a fight between two friends or something bigger and this kind of encapsulates that perfectly even with just look at our political landscape of now mm-hmm. just seeing how neighbors are turning on each other friends and family like turn on each other and it's for what right and it's absurd and it's so crazy and it goes to such lengths and that's what this movie is doing at one moment, like you said, it could be so humorous, and at the next moment, it could be so sad and and gut wrenching. Yeah, and it, it does that really, really well. Yeah, it just, definitely has you flying on different levels of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Just completely, really capturing that confusion. That why is this happening? Yeah, and and just how one sign of I don't want to do this anymore could spark a problem that will build and build and build and it never will end because that's just how people are people right. can't just let things go right it turned into sort of an obsession with um, both sides with just both leave sides. me alone yeah and i don't want to do this anymore and not realizing your action of doing that will cause these other reactions and on the other side the same exact problem this movie really, really, really does that well. Yeah, it does. I know that this definitely is not for everybody. This is one of those films that, if you're not really getting that, that whole idea of what this really is, the underlining story of what this is, yeah, you're not gonna probably like it. It's probably gonna be a little too slow, and there are gonna be parts that go, "Oh wow, that's fantastic," or "That's really interesting," and that might grab you. But unless you're on board for that, for that basically giving you a reflection mm-hmm. of that 
of just how in you know easily things can go insane yeah i don't know if this will be your type of movie yeah this but, is definitely not for everybody it's very artsy and it's very um you know there's a lot of um it's all dialogue um and it's it's basically uh, a a war between two two friends basically. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the premise. Yeah, I mean yeah, I already just broke down the what it was really, but yeah, uh, yeah, I mean that it, it's I don't like using the word arty because a movie is a movie to me. Some movies might be more on its sleeve, and other movies might be really hiding you know, it's message mm -hmm. for you to see if you think about it for a minute. And that's also something that's in the characters are talking about in the movie. You know, they're, they're one of the characters is basically telling the other character, you know, art lives forever. Right. You know, and what are we? We're like, what are we doing? We, we either make the art or we don't. And the other character is like, I just want to live, you know? And so I think that there's two moviegoers too. You know, there's two sets of that, that this really breaks down that two sets of different people mm -hmm. and what some people just want to see a movie and just sh be seen like action and explosions and move on mm -hmm. and other people kind of want to see a little bit more and that's I think what that's, i mean by arty like yeah, if I know. You, you know when i say arty i'm not i don't mean that not i don't mean all movies aren't art what i'm saying is it's just a different type of movie yeah no i so, understand i'm yeah. just saying how why i don't specifically like the the idea of calling a movie arty or not because i feel like all movies are in the same scope in the same universe it's just what each one does mm -hmm. with what it's doing yeah i get you it you know what i mean i get it and so i feel like yeah some people well this isn't for everybody and mm -hmm. it, there is a group of people who will like this some people would call that uh an oscar movie or, you know, purposely going for the Oscar or something like that. Yeah. Or what you just said. Well, this was... is the type of movie that gets a 15-minute standing ovation at the um, <laughs> film festival. Yeah, that's a that's a hard thing to... You know, there's so many people that use that now to say there there's... A, a lot of the times they give those standing o ovations to the actors and the director and the people standing in. So if there's more and more cast, the longer it goes. Mm -hmm. That's a... Take that with a grain of salt because that has happened for a lot of films. Yeah. and. It's kind of an odd thing that people constantly use that. Like, oh, this was a, this, they timed the moment. Yeah, people at these film festivals are being kind. You know, that, that it's weird. But yes, I do agree that I can see why people would really love this, especially critics. This is definitely an actor's movie and definitely a director's movie. Mm -hmm. This is a director, a cinematographer, and, and even the um, score it's yeah. just incredible it's great and it's all these people just testing the medium mm -hmm. and the actors are fantastic they work very well off each other yeah there there's uh i i think five or four main actors i believe mm. i would say about five like that have the most time yeah there's like i would say well yeah four about yeah yeah because uh and each one of them really delivers um I, I, w I would go so far as to say that two in particular, I would nominate for Oscars if, if it was up to me. Yeah. So, and that would be Colin Farrell and and the actress playing his sister. Oh, she's great. Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Barry Keegan? Barry, uh, no, no. I think it's Keegan. I don't know how to pronounce it, but. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. He, he's in a and lot of. And I feel of... like I'm saying Keegan, Mike and Key. His first name. Oh, no. Oh, wait. It's Barry. But, um, he. 
he's getting more and more roles. Yeah, um, he is. He's very good at doing what he's doing in this film. And, and, and surprisingly good. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, Colin Farrell in particular was really, really good in this. Yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. Uh, um, yeah. he, he really showed... A lot of emotion, so much emotion that like it actually made me cry at some, um, like almost cry at some point. Yeah, I he, he's very expressionistic with his eyebrows. Oh yes, he. <laughs> you know, there was a time where you weren't on board with him. I as an wasn't. Actor. Yeah, because he annoyed me. There's something about him that annoyed me. But then yeah. I started seeing more of his movies, and I was like, okay, this guy's got something. This was like way back in the day when he first started showing up. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't know if the first time you ever saw him was Daredevil. Yeah, you know, I just didn't like his arrogance. And I know that it was just a character he was playing, but it just seemed like he had an arrogance, like, on the red carpet. Like, anytime you ever saw him, he was always arrogant, you Yeah, know? I, I think that happens to almost every star who just gets his big break. Yeah. And he really did. I remember he was he had scandals. He had some stuff happen right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and he was, like, kind of marked as, like, the playboy kind of guy. And he's completely come so far from that now. He's showing up and he's so humble now and he's so different and he's been a he's a really good actor I, like he when he does do something it's usually really impressive so yeah, yeah I, I i what would you give this on scores oh i, I give it an eight out of ten you give it an yeah eight. that was really yeah. good i know i i uh the reason i'm giving it an eight as well not higher is that i will admit even when even if it's a metaphor even if it is like an underlining message. Mm -hmm. There are times where things are happening and you're like, that's insane. Yeah. And I understand that that really is capturing that message of what you're going for, but it's also just it's bonkers. crazy. It's bonkers. Yeah. You can't get your head around it at that moment I, that's happening. I don't want to. And, and one of the things I wanted to talk about, I didn't say about um, my being impressed is one of the things I'm impressed about is uh, there's this what the what the movie's title is about mm -hmm. and how that connects and i don't want to spoil anything but there's a part where someone finally says what they think it is and when you start realizing throughout the movie you look at something that happens in the end and look back at the whole movie that really makes it even more powerful mm -hmm. and I don't even know. I can't spoil it, so I'm not going to say anything. Because it's 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 not even really a movie to spoil. It's not really a twist. It just keeps going. Yeah. But um, pretty damn good. So yeah, eight out of ten. Yeah, eight out of ten for sure. Yeah, this is a, this is. A, I'm glad we finally got to watch this. I'm glad HBO put it back. I'll uh, put it up because like yeah. it wasn't playing in our theater, and we would have gotten to see this earlier. I would have ran to the theaters to see this one mm -hmm. because I really like this whole crew the, the everybody involved in this was fantastic so and i love 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 in bruce can't be waiting around for any more of this madness let's just call it quits we won't call it quits we'll call it the start next up we're going to talk about puss and boots <laughs> Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots. We're going to move from something so serious and so interesting yeah. to a cartoon movie that shockingly is pretty touching. You want to see something cool? Gracias, the legend will never die. Puss in Boots. 
You died. I have nine lives. And how many times have you died already? Uh... You are down to your last life. Mama Luna's always on the lookout for a new lapcat. I am no lapcat. I am Pussy Boots. Not anymore. Meow. a person party pickles that's your party so this is where dignity goes to die it's cute it was really cute um this is antonio banderas returning of course mm -hmm. um this is called puss in boots the last wish yep and um it was so fun so like i guess the premise of this one is that you know puss is like a hero you know everyone knows him he's the hero and of course he's a kitty so he has nine lives and you know there is an incident that happens and you know he doesn't really realize that he is not invincible you know he he doesn't get the fact that he ha only has one life left he's gone through you know like eight of his lives and he's got one life left so he starts to per pursue the wishing star and he has to go through a whole bunch of like crazy stuff to get to this wishing star and he has to battle a whole bunch of others which we won't spoil for you but it's so fun um to get to this wishing star because they also are trying to get to the wishing star and he teams up with a very familiar female voice <laughs> she's in the first one yeah all right so it's Salma Hayek yeah, Salma I love Hayek's the back, two yes. of them together I'm so glad that was they're it kitty soft paws kitty soft paws and she's she could not be more adorable because I love Salma Hayek's accent and then her accent coupled with um uh what is it? it's lost it Antonio Banderas's um accent they're just like so cute together I just love them together yeah so it was adorable and um this one, this one, uh, what's first off, let me just point this out because Puss in Boots was a character in the Shrek films first. Yes. Now, let me ask you something. How many Shrek films do you think there are? Um, okay, so, um, okay, so it goes to, I would, I think it's Shrek the third was the one where they have kids, right? So, I, I, yeah, this I is, this is interesting to me. How many do you think there are? Just give me a number. You're really three, thinking about it. Three. There's four. Oh, are you counting the Christmas one? Is there a Christmas one? No, there's one? another one. There's one that's 3D. What? Oh, really? I think that's the fourth one. Hold on. No. Shrek the three. Shrek the third is the oh, third one. Oh, okay. No. Okay. There was. It's thank Happily you. Ever After or something? Yeah, it's called Shrek Forever After, but I am not mental. There is there a special. There is a special yeah. called Shrek the Halls. Yeah. That I was And right then Puss in Boots has a movie, and this is the second movie. In that series, and yeah. I think that's the only spot, um, the only spinoff is only Puss in Boots, right? Yeah, that's and it. he had a TV show. What we just found out, we had no idea about this TV show. Uh, um, I don't know if that connects. I don't know. There was a joke, there is a joke in here of um, showing another character in one of his flashbacks, and it, you, I'm wondering if that happened on the show or oh, I, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, this is a shock to me because. Now, the reason I brought up Shrek was when we first saw the first Shrek when it came out in theaters, we, we loved it mm -hmm. because it was so different. It was so adult. Yes. And it was so odd. Now, looking back at the CG, it's not the best looking. It's just like Toy Story 1. When you go back, you kind of like, oh, 
mm-hmm. some problems. No, it's old. Um, yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing about the sequels of the Shrek movies. They're all kind of okay. They're not like great. But when Puss in Boots, the movie came out, I said, I think this movie's better than all the Shrek films. It was. <laughs> and I'm going to say they doubled. Someone's drag good, racing outside. Good Lord. It sounds like a Maxim Overdrive. <laughs> we made you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that Shrek 2, I mean, uh, Puss in Boots 2, actually somehow is better than the first one. Yeah, but when like, I think this the second one here, the Puss in Boots second one, I think that is better than all of them. I decided yeah, it was I, so much fun. It's very surprising that a spinoff is actually better to me than the films of the that it spun off from. Yeah, and this second one is pretty damn good. Yeah, I think in large part because of this, there's a lot of side characters like Perrito. He's I, so cute. Yeah, he's yeah. like one of the best. He's yeah. like a little dog. Um, to me, he's just so cute. The, the the highlight to me, the animation mm-hmm. was very fun. They did like this. They changed the animation while they fight. Yeah, and it stepped it up and made it look really nice. And it they they it flows. The animation here is incredible. I think. And also, there's an introduction to a stalking villain throughout this film that is stalking Puss, mm-hmm. and he is generally generally creepy as all hell yeah he's creepy he is followed by music it's very similar to me from into the spider verse every time the prowler shows up it's like he's brought in with some music and some really interesting colors Mm -hmm. the the scene this animation style changes for it it they stepped it up in every way possible that they could trying to do new things with this but it's also a very touching story about immortality and and growing old and learning to that, you know, being on your own and spontaneous and only worrying about yourself and, and partying can only do you so long. Right. And how you need to step up and realize that things around you are more important. Very, not very good story. Yeah. And good to me, good for kids. But, you know, you bring your kids to see something like this, but it's even better for adults because... I think there's something here for everybody. Yeah. And like you brought up some of the side characters. I will admit that the villain here is, and not the one I was talking about that's neat. It's mm-hmm. just a side thing. The main villain is a little corny. Yes. The main villain was, I think, the weakest. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the weakest. It's too forced. And it it's kind of not established enough. It just kind of pops into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another set of characters they're actually quite interesting and probably could have used more time because they're so interesting. Yeah. And that would have been re- they would have stepped up the movie a little bit more, but I would say this is a pretty damn good animated film. Yeah. I had and a great time. I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. It was funny. There yeah. were so many like funny moments in it and I I like laughed out loud. I just I thought it was so cute. Antonio Banderas is just so oh, great at this. He still so sounds great too. Great. He sounds perfect and he he sings in this yeah. and um he just he just sounds great. Like it's just so adorable and it's it's perfect and he's just, you know, He's got a great backup cast with the uh, side characters. So much yeah, that some they good like, actors in here. Yeah, really good actors. Surprising, like yeah. people showed up. I was like, wow, they got a lot of good people. In yeah, this. yeah, really good, really good um, voice talent. And it was just, um, it was very fun and heartwarming. And um, I just love his 
his dynamic with Salma Hayek, I think they're adorable together. And so I definitely highly recommend Puss in Boots. Yeah, last I, wish. Uh, I wish I could give this a higher rating, uh, but there's something make me hold it back from higher, but I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like just that villain and maybe just a little bit of not building the characters, some of the other side characters a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think hold it back. Yeah, but we need a little bit of build, but... Pretty no. pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. It was surprising, especially since it's coming out so late, and it's kind of at a date that I don't know if it's going to do good, because it's kind of hidden. It's right on the you know the week of Christmas and all that. Yeah, it's kind of odd, and you know I kind of hope for movies to do like like this to do better, but uh, I think that DreamWorks has been kind of dropping the ball a little bit. I think the last one they did, I still haven't seen. I think it's on Netflix now. Is that um. Uh, bad guys or it's where the wolf the big bad wolf and he's like a, a thief yeah sam that. sam rockwell's playing a wolf and he's got oh, a team of like okay and he's like what if we were good yeah. guys okay yes, yes yes i think it's called the bad guys and okay. i don't think it did good at all oh i still want to see it i, I still love watch it. it i love though. animated movies yeah i missed this one we we didn't see it and now it's on netflix i'm like we should definitely check it out yeah but it, it's just going to show you that i it's really rare to see what cartoon movies are going to be embrace in theaters yeah. especially when there's a constant marvel movie and you know other things like that that are really sticking out with people so i i, I hope people see this one because uh, i think it's really good and i think it deserves to be seen yeah so i don't know i'm yeah. giving it a seven as well yeah i mean really just see something about the villain i i don't know it's it's John Mulaney again, and you know it's kind of like John Mulaney's doing John Mulaney stuff, and yeah, it, it's not shocking. Well, we'll say that he does have a character show up in the like near the halfway mark, maybe with him. Yeah, that's really funny. I wish they would have brought him in the whole movie because mm-hmm. I thought that was a really funny bit. So whatever, yeah. go see it. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> they found me. Goldilocks and the three bears crying funny. Make her talk. Excuse me, my darling. We're looking for the legendary Puss in Boots. Have you perhaps seen him? What are Puss in Boots? He is me! Oh. Uh, normally, I have a sore. He's like a whole thing, you know? Okay. All right, all right. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Babylon, uh, the brand new movie. We just actually watched it. We just went and saw it. How do you boys do? You okay? You're sweating. (laughs) How y'all doing tonight? Y'all ready for something different? Something special? And she plays this? In my dressing room. I don't even know what that is. Oh. Still got it. Party time! Fuck you! He's dead. He, he did have a drinking problem. That's true. He probably ran into himself, huh? It's a disease. Meet Estelle. 
We got engaged yesterday. Hola, Jackie. Hola, Carmelita. I have no idea who that is. So, yeah, I, would you give me the honor of uh, discussing this movie first? Because I think you're... Uh... Absolutely, you go first. Okay. 100%. <laughs> All right. So, this is the newest movie from Damien Chazelle, I believe how you pronounce it. I, I'm probably butchering that, so help me out with this pronunciation. Uh, no, I think that's pretty good. Yeah? Uh-huh. Damien Chazelle? Yeah. Uh, he, his last two movies were... Whiplash and La La Land, and this is his, I don't know if this is his third movie, but um, yeah, this is exactly what the title says it is, but it is a story about old Hollywood, silent era going into talkies, and so it's 1927 to 1930, I believe, is mm-hmm. the prime... Uh, 1926. Co- co- to 1930. Oh, it was 26. Starts I thought it started out, in 27. Okay. No, it starts out in 26. So, yeah, 26 to, to 1930, I believe. And this is an interesting movie. I, I need to talk about it. I, need, I have a lot to say on this movie because this starts out exactly how you would expect a movie like called Babylon about Hollywood and the insanity that's going on in Hollywood, especially around this time, the movie really, really, really wants to depict old Hollywood and also the, you know, the ex- insane excess that Hollywood is. And this movie, in one word, could be summed up by saying excess. It's f- jam-packed of with excess. It, it, it's it's. It's pouring out at the seams. And for the first 40 minutes, I, I, although I'm checking out here and there because you have... It's one of those movies where it's so batshit crazy right off the bat. And there's so much going on that doesn't... I'm sure parties like this exist. I'm sure that these insane rich people throwing these debaucherous parties exists and i also believe that i i've heard stories you know of old hollywood and old hollywood stars doing crazy shit like this showing in this movie the problem is the movie is one of those movies where a a person dances on the dance floor and they do a whole number and everybody seems to involved in that number and it's so going over out of its way to make it be in like this disgusting in a hip way it's it's bizarre right off the bat but there's so much incredible directing going on there is so many great oneers which is becoming almost a cliche in itself of in in movies these days everybody's trying to do a oneer where they just follow the camera and you're doing a lot of crazy things with the camera and getting beautiful tracking shots there's so much tracking shots so much great acting having to be revolving around these long shots and it's friggin' incredible some of it's really really good he did this in la la land and we we can already see this guy's got talent but on the same boat the movie is so filled with excess that 
at one point, it just won't stop. And it just keeps going and going. And now my biggest problem is there are characters here that are very intriguing. Some interesting characters here. But the movie cannot get out of its own way and then decides to follow characters who are cliche and I would say over embellished and we're so they're stereotypical and I will say those are the white people and I, I I think I've heard in the past people pointing out that his movies are very white uh, first movie he does whiplash is about jazz white people then he does a movie, a musical dance movie about Hollywood, and it's again a jazz player who's white, right? So this movie again, and I hate to say that, but this movie again finally has a jazz musician who's interesting, who is getting into Hollywood, and he is hardly in this movie. And he's a very, very interesting character. And something that happens with him along the way is interesting, but the movie does not care. It's same thing goes with an Asian woman who is in the movie as, you know, dealing with being a lesbian in Hollywood, in old Hollywood, and also being Asian. Another interesting character to, to explore? Nope, the movie doesn't care. It constantly hangs on Brad Pitt, who I think is a little too hammy in this film. And I would also say it hangs on Margot Robbie, who it first, she's doing some great stuff. She's doing some party stuff that's really interesting, some dancing. She's grown, going insane. It's, she's good. But the problem is she, she slowly becomes Harley Quinn on cocaine. And it is out of control. And it, she is so obnoxious you could care less about following her character. And what's really, really bad, and I'm sorry, I'm just flowing here, and I'm uh, thank you for letting me just pour out, because we haven't talked about this enough. Um, what really bothers me is it seems to have a lead character, but the movie is so confused, it can't figure out who is the main character. But we are following, from start to the very ending, a main character who is of Spanish descent, who's Mexican. Now, again... Very interesting to deal with a um, Latino, a Asian American, a um, an African American in jazz during the silent era going into talkies. Very, very interesting to deal with. It deals with none of those well. Instead, it constantly follows Brad Pitt and it follows Margot Robbie. And I would say overly follows these two characters. And... If the movie so desperately wants to be a depiction of what it was like, the chaos, and the if it wants to be that depiction and if it wants to be so true to what Hollywood was like, then you're kind of blurring the lines on reality. Because half those those three interesting characters wouldn't be treated so well in this time. And I don't know why we're glossing it over it. And it's very, very strange. The jazz musician gets a big house and a fancy car and is invited to all the rich white parties. I don't believe that he would be treated that well. And it sucks, and I hate that we have to close a blind eye to that. We know. We should show that and say, this is what happened and this is what's wrong. And the same thing goes with the, the main character. He just gets a job. He keeps just 
getting a job and getting in Hollywood. And it's interesting. But he's obsessed with a white woman who rules his life and destroys it. And it's it's not done well. There, It's pretending to be a love story within this movie. And that love story is garbage. It, it's not rea- realistic. And it's very dull. And so the movie falls apart at the seams on these big things. It's almost like he was forced to put in some plots and didn't care about them. He, he seemed more interested in following a aging actor who can't make it into the talkies and his career is you know falling apart the same thing goes with a struggling actress trying to get in but getting obsessed with over embellishment and drugs and all these things and you've seen this stuff before and i would say better i would say that i know the comparison's probably going to be boogie nights uh the difference here between boogie nights is you actually kind of like all those people and you're very interested in following them. And he also, P, P, um, Paul uh, P.T. Anderson, mm-hmm. he really, really uh, follows that well. And he was able to make every character interesting. And when he peppered in each character, it was in a moment where you really felt for them. Here, I just wanted them to move on a lot. And that's a shame because the movie is so well done. It looks great. It's it, it sounds great. When it's the musician part, it's fabulous. Like it's it's just shot really really well. And when they get to some of those important moments about how sucky it would be to live in this time when you're of, you know, of any of these things, those moments are really good, but they're so far in between. And we take time. There's that's what's really bothersome about this movie. When they should really spend some time on those moments, those interesting moments, instead, we spend moments on a joke, a running joke, or debauchery, like showing sex and like drug use, almost almost glamorizing it in some bizarre way instead of showing how terrible it is. And it is showing it it's terrible. It just kind of hangs on these shots. There, There is an opening of a girl peeing on somebody, and we have to watch the whole thing. And I kept thinking, cut this and spend some time with these interesting characters, like a gossip columnist. A gossip uh, columnist is in this movie as well. It's another character. And kind of interesting. Don't deal with it enough. Just kind of show it a little bit. And what's really, really bad is the last 35 minutes should have cut to credits during some of it. Have the credits rolling on it. Instead, he literally, and I would say this is a sin of filmmaking. He literally re-shows you shots of the movie you just watched during the ending. Like, we're too stupid to understand what we just watched. It's, I think it's baffling. I, I do like that, and I wish he used this as the credits. He's showing you the mixing of color on the film at the end. He's showing you how film is being made. And it's real a love letter to that. But at the same time, you're just so like, get on with it. Get in this fucking movie. Just like Babylon, which it's referencing, the fall of Babylon, where, you know, that's what the movie feels like. It really does feel like I'm coming down in judgment to say, you guys are immoral and it's enough is enough. And I was like, 
I get it. I get your message. I get your title. I get what you're getting at. I get that you love cinema. I do too. And that's why I'm here. But don't shove it in my face. And you know, I was talking about the uh, hiding the racial thing. They even showed the jazz singer, which is the one of the, you know, the first talkie that really like was out and blew up. And in that movie, he's in blackface, uh, Al Jordan's right mm-hmm. and they don't even show it they you only hear that it's happening but the movie even hides from that like and that's kind of i don't know kind of a, a really pissed me off all right i ranted a lot i'm so mm-hmm. sorry yep. please drop the bomb i know what you're gonna say okay well um i did not obviously i did not care for this movie i i with a runtime of three hours and eight minutes, it came in five minutes shy of Avatar. And I got to tell you, I did not feel Avatar, but I sure as hell felt this one. I felt that It would not stop. It would. This movie would not stop. Yeah. And what I did not care for was the fact that um, the opening, they set out to do a, a half hour long shot of debauchery. That's what they set out to mm-hmm. to do. I read that in the trivia. They wanted to show, you know, just every nasty thing. Mm-hmm. So I get it. I don't know why you needed a half hour of it. You could have shown it without a half an hour of it. Um, not that that was the thing that bothered me. What did bother me was there there was, like you said, too much excess. But the characters in this movie were so far-fetched and ridiculous. I mean... Just over the top. Margot Robbie, she's she's great. We love her. We love Margot Robbie. However, she was so unlikable in this film. I literally just wanted her to die. Like, I yeah. could not take it. Yeah. I couldn't take it. She was so disgusting. And I'm wondering through the whole movie, like, we get, you know, she has this sex appeal and she's beautiful and she's just charming and she has all of that. And that's why she, you know made it as an actress in, you know, in this movie. She's an actress in this movie. And um, I feel like her character, Nellie Leroy, I think it's so over the top that there is no way that they could have made it more over the top. It was actually comical a lot of the time. You know, there's a scene where she goes in the house and throws up, you know, in oh, on yeah, people's faces. So I mean, it was just, are you showing us what you think the 1920s were like, because I can assure you that nobody, number one, dressed like this. There was no, uh, the costumes in this movie were too, they were uh, too modernized. There, I mean, if you go back and you look Mm. at The Great Gatsby, that movie took place in 1929, I believe, you know, the DiCaprio one, and their their clothes were period-centric. But I feel like, you know, Margot Robbie's attire, her short, skimpy, you know, slutty dresses she's wearing those and flapper the, dresses. but she wasn't wearing the flapper look she had like even her hair that just wasn't time period centric her hair looked like she was like a a 1980s you know rocker chick it, you know it, it, she just looked like a hot mess and i didn't feel her character i didn't feel like i wanted to root for her at all i thought she was trash in this movie yeah. and then also the other lead brad pitt I felt he was sleeping through his whole entire role. I don't feel like he had anything to do. 
It could have been any actor on Earth. And the same with um, Manny, the actor who played Manny Torres. I feel like it also could have been any actor on Earth. I don't think he did anything that was wonderful. And I think that his character was also a snooze fest. It's like, why would you, you know, put this trio of people in here? Which I'm sure, you know, I don't know anything about the actor who plays Manny, but I do know the other two, and I know that they're good actors. And I feel like they just greased up the screen. It was, the the runtime was way too long. I did not feel the time period whatsoever. And I don't, wow. the love story was a joke. And I just didn't, I didn't uh, appreciate any of what was going on. The only thing I really did super duper appreciate was I really liked the music in this. I thought that some of the directing shots were good. So I'll, I'll give those two pluses. But you're right. In 1926, when this movie started out, there is no way at all that any of these, and they were considered minorities back then, would ever, ever have gotten this much attention and love. It was, a, I mean, a struggle for minorities in 1926. Yeah, to be a lead in 30. Yeah. 1930. Or 29, I think. I, I I don't remember when he finally got a break, that one character, the musician. Right. There's no way he would be leading a film. Yeah, and it's just so excessive of, you know, it's it's literally like, okay, fine. They're trying to show us how debaucherous Hollywood is during this time. But this the, the scenes that were happening in this movie were kind of like indicative of what would happen if Justin Bieber's friends were, you know, acting like fools, you know? Like, it didn't seem like period-centric debauchery to me. You know what I mean? Like, there's different eras where you can feel the debauchery, and then the the weirdest, you know, cameos show up, and you're wondering, what is this? You know? Like, there's a cameo by a big actor that everyone will recognize, and they... They take you into some sleazeball scene. Yeah, we, we got to talk about that. And I'm yeah, just I like, what is going on? Why are we seeing this? It's it's a, a 30 minute, you know, lure into descent of trash. And we've already been looking at trash for two and a half hours at this point. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? I don't feel for any of these characters. We're supposed to care about Manny. He's one of our leads. And I got to tell you, he does the dumbest shit. I don't care about him. I think Margot Robbie's character is trash. And I got to tell you, the only one who has half a brain cell in this whole entire movie is Brad Pitt. Is his character. I mean, otherwise, you know, and Jean Smart, she plays the, um, the columnist and she's only in it for 13 seconds. Okay. But, I mean, I don't really, there's nobody in this movie that I get. Like, Lucas Haas shows up. His character, is, we're told something about him, and then all of a sudden something happens and we're supposed to care, but we literally don't know anything about this guy except that he falls in love easily. That's it. And it's, yeah. it's just so stupid. And I, I don't care about any of these characters at all. And we're supposed to actually feel and relate to Nellie Leroy, you know, Margot Robbie's character, but I could care less. I mean, there is a scene where, you know, I was hoping she would die in the movie because it was like enough already with this. She's so ridiculous. It's over the top and ridiculous. And when she was really acting, I felt it. I thought she was great. Oh, yeah. There's some really cool, good moments. Yeah. But it was just, you know, you know what they say, you're only as good as your director. Well, he fucked up. Well, I mean, here's what's interesting about this film. Uh, originally, he had wrote a true story about a real actress. Clara Bow. I know. And it, it's similar. 
And that's what's crazy. So some of this stuff is kind of realistic, which is nuts. You're saying that you didn't think a lot of the debauchery felt the time period. If you look into some of these old stars like Fatty Arbuckle and stuff like that, no. there is some chaos. Oh, I know. Stuff, he was some disgusting. Real crazy stuff. No, I know. He was disgusting. And I know that there was a lot going on back then. I wasn't born, so I don't know. No, but I know. But I'm if just you ever saying, look like, at any of these true it, stories. If you look at, like, you know, if you just go by, you know, the, the time period, and I didn't feel the time period. I didn't. The only thing that took me into the time period was uh, just a couple things. Like, number one, the cars. Of course. Yeah. Um, also, uh, sometimes they dressed a little bit, you know, 1920s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for overall, you have your main character who's the front and center of attention, and she looks like she just stepped out of a share video. I would say that I agree. So Margot Robbie is a problem. I think it was a bad casting choice. And the only reason I say that is because I like her and the scene in which she has to cry on and they're showing you how to make a movie mm-hmm. and they're saying, can you do this? And she could do all of it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty off. That's a great sequence. It's a beautiful and scene. Everything that's happening there with the war, they're filming a war scene and everything at the same time. That stuff is excellent. Mm-hmm. I actually loved all of that. And to show you the chaos of being on set in that back then when they had no laws and no like understanding of what they were doing. Uh, that's great. But Yes, I think Margot Robbie is a strange choice because Margot Robbie doesn't look like any anybody of then. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, see, they were looks, gonna hire Emma Stone, and which I, I think can see that that would have been perfect because they would have done her hair to the period. They she has that classic look. She does have a classic look. Margot Robbie, pardon me, but looks like a Barbie. She is. She does very. You know, um, everything about her, blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, she's just gorgeous. Yes, she's absolutely stunning. And, you know, I, I appreciate her sex appeal. And Yeah. But I think Emma Stone would have brought something different to this. Yeah, just look at something like um, Aviator, where I think Scorsese really, really nailed the feel of the time and what mm-hmm. people look like. And mm-hmm. so he has some actresses who I do feel really exist i remember he hired uh gwen stefani just for a scene because she kind of looks she played um harlow jean harlow didn't she i think so yeah she she looked amazing and it's perfect because she really does look like an actress of that time and uh also kate blanchett kind of perfection perfection and and some of these actresses are these classic beauties Mm -hmm. where and some of these women like margot robbie are these new beauties like this new kind of new age of whatever right. there's another scene where uh, and uh, you brought up cameos there are a lot of fun little cameos and little pop-ups of actors mm-hmm. doing some fun things for him in this movie um one one i've always pointed out and i, I laughed during the movie because i've been saying for years someone's got to get samara weaving and margot robbie his sisters in a film mm-hmm. well samara weaving actually shows up as like a rival in a, in a moment it's like a throwaway part but she also kind of looks like that like older a classic, classic and, actress. Like yeah. it's something about her. She, she's just like a little too skinny and a little too, you know, like and it, it kind of mm-hmm. works for yeah. that. And every time Mark Rod, like you brought up, she's showing like she's getting her nipples hard and she's purposely trying to do that in every shot. And yeah. Her hair. Like there's a scene where they're filming. And this is another great moment. Uh, they're showing you how hard it was to film a talkie. And there's one scene where they can't get one shot and they're just showing you the chaos of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
I thought that scene was fantastic. Like showing you quiet on set, the guy's baking in the thing, the sound are picking up every little thing. She can't do this set because she doesn't know the what like when to do the right move and everything like that. But the problem is the film that they seem to be filming does not seem like of the time. It doesn't. That's she's, what I'm saying. She's dressed like a Girl Scout, but it's like a yeah. like a skimpy outfit. And I I don't know any twenties movies no. that look like that. And I so at the same time I'm like he must have had movies that he was referencing that I'm not aware of, but those seem really, really strange. It didn't seem right. It seemed like, yeah, I mean, you're going way into the 1950s, at least at this point, you yeah, know? Felt- like, you know, with, with the, you know, uh, Man With No Name trilogy or whatever, where they're, you know, cowboys in a saloon and, you know, there's a, a dame dress but she was wearing like a floral sundress it didn't have anything it was not period centric at all i mean when i tell you that margot robbie looks like she stepped out of a motley crew video in this she straight up looks like a groupie out of a freaking 1980s hairband okay it was ridiculous i did not appreciate it i love the old time uh feel of the the 20s and 30s and like the flapper look and there was none of that in this yeah and i think again to bring up boogie nights and like that where the problem really lies is like boogie nights seem to use humor in in a way that the humor was coming from the situation or the time and how strange that time is and how weird it is to see this and so the humor kind of comes naturally Whereas here, the movie seems confused as to if it wants to be a serious movie or a comedy. There's some scenes like you brought up where Margot Robbie's filming this scene in a saloon and she's being so sexual that in the 20s, that Mm -hmm. kind of on film or being seen anywhere would be very taboo in a strange way. And nobody calls her out on it. In fact, they seem to want her to do it more. But if anybody had seen, like later on, they see the jazz singer and they're freaking out. Seeing they they show um a crowd of people watching the silent movie that she made where she's dancing and being really like like the wild child or whatever. And I think that they even show the women in the audience being like into it, and there's no way that mm-hmm. church groups, everybody at the time there would have been, been like outcry. Yeah, and that's like another the thing. The jazz like, singer's so wholesome and a strange yeah. like even like even if the racial the the racist aspects of it, whatever, it still was it's very simple. Mm-hmm. And all of the movies that came at that time, I think I'm trying to think of one of the last movies they show from that era being shown. And they even show posters for like Clark Gable. And it's like class. Mm-hmm. And the movies they seem to be filming are so classless that I can't imagine that it was happening that way. Although, you know, to, there are some silent films we've seen where people were like, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, there was have, some stuff happening. Yeah, there are. I've but, seen but from some, a big movie studio. Yeah, and also I, that's odd. Another thing that's like, okay, like she was overly, you know, sexualized in this, um, and I feel like it. It's so out of place at that moment because those scenes where she was overly sexualized. They were in for it. The directors and, you know, this is in the movie. Um, The directors in the movie were all in for it. You know, the executives were in for it. But then they told her later on that she has to clean up her image, which is funny. It's funny because they were pushing her. It would have, yes, they were encouraging it. So it just doesn't make any sense. I I just didn't feel right um, watching this. Also, if this is a movie about, you know, the transition between silent films and talkies, um, I feel like they wasted way too much time showing us that 
people in Hollywood are pieces of shit. They showed us too much trash, like the, um, you know, that special guest star who takes them down into a dungeon yeah, somewhere well, yeah, and does all this that. shit. Okay. Let, let's talk about that sequence. I think it's really interesting to bring up because I wanted to love this film. When Mar- we, we bring it up Margot Robbie a lot, but it's odd because she's not in it as much as you think. She is in it, but there's so many other characters that get screen time. And it's very strange because they keep cutting away. And then you're like, oh, she's back again. Ah. And when she does show up and everything goes to shit in her life or whatever, you get little bits of her life and her world, but they're never fleshed out or told to you. You just get the idea. Like, oh, her life sucks. I get it. I get it. But she shows up and she turns this guy's life into crap. Uh, He goes into this world to try to help her out of a, a situation. And we get, there's no spoilers, who gives a crap? Because he produced this movie. Tobey Maguire shows up in this. And and uh, Ethan Suppley? Ethan Suppley. And, and I gotta tell you, the two of them are so grotesque in it's this. It's like they're, they all of a sudden pop out of a David Lynch film. It's very, very strange. Mm, and awful. this is where I could not tell. I'm like, what is this movie? What does it want to be? Because... If, if it's a big metaphor for descending into hell and they're going down the layers of hell, it is so comical what they walk into and what each level is. It's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And the way Tobey Maguire's acting, like, he looks like he's the sickest person on the earth, but he also is acting like that, um, was it, David Thewlis in Big Lebowski? He's just sitting there laughing yeah, for no reason. Yeah, And in Big Lebowski, that's funny mm-hmm. because it's so jarring to our main lead. But to, in this moment, the main lead that's watching this is serious. Right, yeah, and exactly. It, it's just supposed to be an awkward situation, but it doesn't come off awkward. It comes off very comical and, and disgusting. It's actually quite disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the way strange. they made him look like he has just like red like patches all over his face yeah, and under his giggling. eyes. And he's giggling like a psycho. Well, and then you've got the other one, Ethan Suppley, who is spitting. like spitting everywhere. He's just I think he has gross. one line, and he's just spitting. It, it was. There's no reason for him to be in this movie at all. It, it was just disgusting. The whole entire. It's so desperately thing. wants to be that scene in Boogie Nights where Mark Wahlberg is watching. Um, he's going to a house to rob it, and you have to follow his emotion mm-hmm. when he's caught up in one of the craziest drug moments ever. And Alpha Molina is walking around with a guy with fireworks happening, and he's singing a song. It feels very real, mm-hmm. although it's the most absurd situation. It feels like that drug world. It yeah. does feel real in that movie. Yeah, I do agree and with you. And it's like the same exact scene, except this guy is going for just insane it, insanity. It, it was and just, it's almost a joke. It was another half an hour of the movie that we just did not need. It's so and it, it muddied up. It muddied up the whole picture. It It was just gross i just felt i never wanted a film to end this bad i sat there like come on man it just wouldn't end it was like okay the credits should have rolled 20 minutes ago okay no oh here we go again another scene oh we need they need to show us this over and over and over i'm like i can't yeah, take it anymore it, and i can't take it anymore it makes me think of a uh, uh, licorice pizza oh which i know a lot of people seem to like and i could not find why it, i wanted to because it's he and, and and this is another Boogie Nights, the same director. 
I want, he was one of my favorite directors. And watching Licorice Pizza, it didn't feel like it had a voice. It didn't feel like I didn't understand what it was going for. And the same thing here. I wanted them to just end. I was like, can we get to the ending? Mm-hmm. And and it's a shame because I like this one more than Licorice Pizza, which is insane. Uh, I didn't feel like I, 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 I didn't understand what that movie was. And this movie, at least I get it. And there are scenes in this that are so good. There are these great moments. It just gets muddled by the ending. And so I'm still going to give it a decent score. I'm not going to be like you because there is great directing. There are some moments of brilliance. There are some really interesting I things I factored all on. that into my score. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that I, I am exactly how I was with Avatar on this one. Okay, so you're at a six. I'm at a six out of ten. And... They both had the same problems, except I feel like whereas Avatar special effects are like gorgeous and make it, you know, like, oh, it looks great. The same thing goes here. But in this way, it's it's directing. It's it's just some really well done stuff. And that whole scene of the filming of the battle and all that trying to get the shot, him having to race to get a camera, all of that, that first 45 minutes of movie i really really enjoyed the first 45 minutes of the movie were, were good i had I, right off the bat i knew it. there was gonna be some problems with the drug stuff in the opening i was like oh he's going a little too far mm-hmm. but i gave it a pass because it was so interesting and in insanity of it was so intriguing that i was like i can't wait to see and i it's called babylon i get it i get it so i get that whole thing but yeah i just at the end it lost me and I'm going to give a credit, more credit than I want to because of how well some of the stuff was done. And I didn't hate the acting like you said. Like there was some, I actually thought the main actor had some moments that were really good. Uh, it's just that his character is very underdeveloped. And Brad Pitt, there it's hammy, but that's what he's supposed to be. And there were some moments that were kind of touching in that sense where it's like, I get him and he's doing a star that's almost himself i mean how old is brad pitt now and his acting and mm-hmm. he keeps making a comeback which is good like he's always showing up in something interesting but it is hammy and so i did find moments that were great there was a moment where he's yelling at his one of his wives and mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah no I, I i would say that the strongest thing um is, is well there's a lot of good directing there's there's a lot of good Some directing really the music stuff, and i like brad pitt in this but I mean, otherwise, the I did music, not get to, you know, the music. Uh, yeah, the I musician mean, part. But that's also he's interesting. But man, did that actor get screwed over in this movie? Like, no, he didn't. He is hardly touched on, and he's very intriguing. And his, I don't know if that actor can play music. I don't know. But man, did I believe it? I really, I believed, believed it him. too. But you know, overall, as as a film, I, I'm going to tell you since you brought up Avatar, at three hours twelve minutes avatar and then three hours eight minutes this one i would rather look at beautiful blue everything okay yeah okay the beautiful um majestic flying and the you know all their things that they do in avatar the 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 beautiful like majesty of it all i would rather look at that for three hours and 12 minutes than sit through another 20 minutes of this movie wow i did not i felt like my eyeballs were just covered in mud it was just i couldn't i i I didn't know what the hell i was watching 
I didn't yeah. know what I was watching. It, it was it was terrible. It was I've, ridiculous. I, I was hoping for the best. I'm sorry I dragged you to this one. No, I mean I thought. I mean I love all the actors that are in this movie. Of course I'm going to see it, and I see. I, I love seeing movies. I see every movie. So you didn't drag me to anything, but I really wanted to go in like, oh my god, this is fantastic, you know. But I, I have to give this movie a five. There is mm. nothing that I I cannot watch this movie again. I can't. Okay. All right. So yeah, I mean that we got, we saw three films. Three films. And. uh we did him in order of best to worst. We really did here, right? We actually did. We yeah. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's our little catch up here. We got so many more movies before the end of the year, and hopefully we can do a our little uh, what we think is the best of the year and the worst of the year. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to get to that soon. But I really want to check off more movies that we haven't seen. <laughs> we got a lot. So, and I, I got about five that I think would be great to just finalize it. And uh, hopefully we'll get there. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I was really ranting and babbling. No, you were sharing your thoughts, and I appreciate that. And I'm, thank you for letting me share my thoughts, because you knew when I walked out of there. Oh, I, I knew. Like, That's why I said, maybe I should movie. go first on this one. Yeah, I actually walked out of there like, Jesus Christ. I think I, love, I even said, finally. It, it before ended. the movie even came close, I think there was still 10 to 15 minutes, you started, you put your seat down, and you wanted to get up. And oh, leave. I had my purse. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I didn't blame I you. It. And I was laughing because I did not blame it you. It just wouldn't end. Yeah. All mm. right. So, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, until the next one, have a good one.